all over this house. Lift your hands one more time. And I want you to pray this out loud. Jesus, send your spirit into this room. If I've done anything today to grieve your spirit, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Jesus. preach all over the nation every single week and I have never felt the hunger like I feel right here except one other place and that was in Singapore where there was a whole bunch of students that have come from nations where it's illegal to be a Christian and they were free to cry out Many of them were going to knowingly give their lives as martyrs. And some probably already have. Where I met a pastor from Vietnam that told me how the village had cut, caught his house on fire. And Jesus walked into that little shack and picked he and his wife and little baby up and carried him through the flames. There's a hunger in this room. That there's people that are done with the normal. In a generation... That is clipped in a generation of preachers that has clipped the wings of the Holy Spirit and turned them into nothing more than a parrot in a cage that they they think he's there to repeat what they have to say. So God spoke to me today. In a generation that wants Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures, but we don't want his spirit because he might embarrass us. I was laying in bed one night and God took me back to eating in New York City and we were in New York one, one evening and my whole family was with me and we're right, right downtown Times Square. There was a homeless man standing in the window. We were eating at an Italian place and he's staring at us. And I remember I just felt awkward and weird and I know this, I'm ashamed of it, but I kind of moved my chair in front of him. And God took me back to that laying in bed one night and he said, my spirit has been relegated to a beggar outside of churches. And when the, the leader of the house see my spirit, they're almost afraid of it and they turn their back to it. He said, Pat, give me a place. He said this to me. He said, he said I move in procession. He said, give me, build me a place where I can land on the runway. How many of you want the dove to land in this room tonight? You, you, you may be seated. Um, Oh, opening your Bibles to Genesis, the eighth chapter, I'm going to go directly to God's word tonight. And I believe that this house is in a season of perpetual growth. I believe that over the next four Wednesday nights, I believe that what God is trying to do is rather than so many times we want the city wide move of God. And that's going to happen. I believe God is a God of cities. In fact, my, my favorite verse in the Bible, one of my favorites uh, in the Old Testament is Jonah. And I love Jonah, and, and uh, I love studying Jonah because it's, it's very, very prophetic. But, but at one point, at the very end, Jonah is complaining because God has cut down his tree. Cut down his shade because a leader is not called to live in the shade. He's called to live in the sun. 
And God says to him, the very last thing he says to the prophet that disappeared off the map from this point on, when Jonah is complaining and whining, because the Bible says that the people of Nineveh did not know their right hand from their left hand. In other words, uh, the right hand is, is what you ate with, uh, and the left hand is what you used when you went to the restroom. And so it, you kept those two hands separate. And, and, and literally, I mean, it's, uh, it's disgusting, but that's why, what they meant by that. He said they're a disgusting group of people. And, and, but God says to, to Jonah, am I not concerned about the city? Last line in the book of Jonah. And what you have to understand is, before God has, can change a city, He's got to change us. He's not going to stick a healthy baby in a sick incubator. And it's a very healthy church. But what you have to understand is, He's trying to stir something up so real in you, so desperate in you. The day of people lining up, and I said this to my very dear friend who pastors at Brownsville, where they had a great move of God. He's the pastor there now. He's exploding it. He's on my board of directors down in Pensacola. I said to him today on the phone, I said, I believe the last day move of God will not be about people lining up uh, and spending five hours waiting to get into a service. It will be about people having personal encounters that they pass on. Are you with me so far? Now, now I may be wrong and I may eat these words someday, but I believe that it is about us getting right. The fullest the church will ever be will be the day after the rapture. I'm, I'm serious. And what you have to understand is when he says I'm separating the, the, the sheep from the goats, when I'm separating the wheat from the tares, he is in a separation mode. And what I've got to come to share with you tonight is, is what he began to speak to me to learn that mentality of living a spirit-led life, walking in miracles, walking in the supernatural, expecting favor, expecting things to happen for you that doesn't happen for normal people. Are you with me? Because your father likes you. I told the story the other day. I was driving down the freeway uh, a couple of months ago, and all of a sudden, I just—I maybe I'm crazy, but I just said—and I, I am—and I said, I said, I said, Lord, I just want you to do something cool for me. I came around the curve, hundred rolls of toilet paper laying in the highway. I'm not lying. Now, if you have a young man that's training for college football, you'll understand why you need that much toilet paper, because about eight. Meals a day produces things. And uh, I don't know why I keep going gross, but I'm serious. And, and I literally was standing in the middle of the freeway. I popped my trunk. Albie, did this not happen? Is this truth? This is truth. I stand, even if she won't agree, it's truth. Did it happen, Albie? I'm standing in the middle of the freeway, and I am shooting hoops. And this fella pulls up, and he goes, can I have some of that? I said, uh-uh. That's my toilet paper. I drove home, pulled into my driveway, got a circular type driveway, pulled up in front, ran upstairs and said, Karen, come here. This happened like two months ago. My son's already used it all. And, um, and it was the good stuff too. It wasn't that little cheap breaking stuff. This stuff has clog ability. And my wife comes outside and I said, look what God did for me. She said, what are we going to do with all that? I said, oh, we'll use it. (laughs) Any ladies ever buy toilet paper? It's expensive, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know how to have fun. I'm just saying, you need to learn to ask God for miracles. You need to ask him to do things for for you that blows your mind. Look at Genesis, the 8th chapter. I'm sharing a message, and this is for all my 80s fans. All of my secret journey listeners. 
This message is titled, When the Dove Cries. <laughs> okay? Yeah, Prince. Little red Corvette. Watch. I must share about the person of the Holy Spirit tonight. Now, I want to warn you that he is going to land in this room. It is said in the Welsh Revival, the Azusa Street Revivals, and other great moves of God, that they could visibly see the dove sitting upon on people's faces. I want him to land. And the problem is, for too long, he's hovered. And what I want to do is I want to teach you about the Holy Spirit tonight. And this is called, really, it could be Holy Spirit 101 class. I want to teach about who he is. It is not what I had planned to teach. I was flying back to Birmingham last Thursday and God said, this is where I want you to go. I do want to say that many of you remember the prophetic word last Thursday night. And it's the Moors. Am I right? Is, is that, is that, and that last week God told me they would be sitting in that chair. And yesterday they finally, the judge finally approved for them to have their little boy. Their little boy now belongs to them. And we know what it's like for a judge. I've been in that room where a judge says, this is now your child. There's nothing like it. Looking at your Bible, I'm going to go to Genesis, the eighth chapter for just a moment. I want to teach in the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to get this in your spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Growing up, we sang about it. Come, Holy Spirit, I need thee. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. In fact, kind of freaked me out. Because most of the time I ever heard the, con- the context of the Holy Spirit was me getting in trouble. You know what the Spirit told me? Folks, I got spankings before I did stuff. I grew up wearing 15 pairs of underwear after every- on the way to church. I just knew something was going to happen. So I didn't know. I just thought he was a tattletale. <laughs> Look what God's Word says. We'll come back to this at the end, but in Genesis, the eighth chapter, uh, the Bible says this. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in my Bible. I don't know if you have it, Aubie, but verse six says this. After 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven. And it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Everybody say raven. raven. Then he sent out a dove. Everybody say dove. dove. To see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find no place to set its feet because there was, no, there was water over all the surface of the earth. How many of you believe in shadows and types? All through God's word, there are shadows and types. It was his way of giving a time release capsule of medicine to a generation waiting on the Messiah to come. All through his word, Abraham and Isaac, Elijah, Elisha, Elijah, God is a judge. Elisha, God is salvation, John the Baptist, Jesus, all through God's word. Hosea, the bride. All through God's word, there are shadows and types. And I just saw this one day when I was when I was studying about the Holy Spirit. It was something very prophetic of what was to come. And then it goes on to say, but the dove could find it no place to set its feet because there was water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and he took the dove and he brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. And when the dove returned to him in the evening there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf exclamation point. How many of you know Romans says Jesus is the olive branch? Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days. Now this is the greatest argument. You need to understand this chapter against global warming. So all you Al Goreites need to understand 
the earth's never going to flood again. Okay, been there, done that. So anyway, watch. He waited seven more days again and sent out the dove. But this time, the dove did not return to him. It kept flying. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How many of you understand? We'll stop right there for just a moment. That it is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's my biggest fear. It's my biggest concern. I want to make sure that I'm a man of honor, a man of integrity. But it's not even just about that. It's not even just about what I watch and what I guard, what I watch and what I say and what I do. But it's even about understanding walking in obedience because it's better than sacrifice. And right in the middle of obedience is a word called die. And I don't want to grieve him. Last Sunday, I was preaching outside of Oklahoma City and um, at an incredible uh, church, AG Church. And I'm out, I'm preaching and, and the pastor's hungry. He's a young pastor. He kind of stumbled into it. He kind of got picked and now the... To be the pastor. Now this church has exploded. And and he says to me. To, I meet his two children. He's adopted. His wife has tumors throughout her body. And, and literally if you remove one tumor. She would bleed out. So her body is intertwined with these tumors on the inside. I didn't know the full details of it. But that night. I, I, had, I was in the middle. I was done preaching. I'm done with the altar call. And God says. I want to baptize people in the Holy Ghost right now. And I said. Well Lord. They're ready to go. And, and he said. Right now. And I stopped. And I said. God's telling me everybody hold on he wants to baptize some people in the holy ghost well i said raise your hands and and you know people got filled and that night sitting in the pastor's office true story all of a sudden this pastor's wife comes in precious precious lady they're a young couple and she looks at me in tears she's wailing and i said tell me what's going on she said well because i have tumors in my body they were now on my tongue and for a long time i've not been able to pray in the holy ghost in fact I had even told my husband last week it wasn't real out of my anger. She said, but tonight when you said open your mouth and pray in tongues, my tumors disappeared. And I began to pray in a new language. Somebody's going to get your tongue's going to get loose tonight. But don't grieve if I would have ignored him. This assembly of God pastor's wife. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Sounds like a church business meeting, doesn't it? Now watch. I'm just kidding. That's the preacher's kidding. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So he says right there, I'm preaching about when the dove cries. I want to preach about who the Holy Spirit is. Listen, there are seasons in my life where the Holy Spirit and I are best friends. There's other seasons where I feel like he's a million miles away. There are times when I'm not just a friend or a relative, but I'm in the middle of him and I can feel him. And I've been there around for about two months where he encompasses me. He, 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 he inhabits me. And what you've got to understand, I don't want to grieve him. I love what a dear friend of mine, his name is Rich Wilkerson. He pastors down in Miami. And one night I got two phone calls. One was from another leader that uh, was a youth director of Montana. His name's Keith Elder. And one night, in one, in one hour time, two different people, Rich and my friend Keith called me and they said, Pat, God told me to tell you, we have have the power but we need more of the presence 
And I went back to my prayer room and I'm laying on my bed. And that's when God took me to that vision of, of the beggar standing outside. And he said, Pat, why, why are churches ashamed of me? Why are they embarrassed by me? And see, we're so busy chasing signs and wonders that we don't even know who the person is. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I love what Ian Bounds said. One of my favorite books is is the power of prayer. And, And he said, the rapture has been postponed by a prayerless church. What you have to understand is I want to introduce him to you tonight. And do you understand, do you realize that, that I am so tired of people thinking we're abnormal when we should be normal because we pray in the Holy Ghost, because we dance and we shout, because we're not afraid of this thing, because we walk in excellence, authority, and favor, but we can also, we can also pray in the Spirit. When my little girl looked at me the other day and she said, I don't feel good, and she gets canker sores because of a virus in her body that are the size of dimes, and, and I started praying for her, she said, no, pray in that language you pray in. You know, the na-na-na thing. (laughs) She really didn't say that. I thought it was cool. So number one, let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit. Write this down. Who is the dove? Paul described him as a dove. Look what it says in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open. The Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. And I am well pleased. In a generation where we try to be his substitute teacher. If a miracle doesn't happen, then we've always got some analytical book knowledge that we can throw out there. Well, maybe this didn't happen because of this reason. And God says in John chapter 15, I'm the vine and you're the branch. Quit trying to be a substitute teacher for me. You're not the vine. And so what you've got to understand is much what I'm going to teach about tonight, it doesn't have an explanation. The Jehovah Witnesses in the Watchtower magazine, they describe the Holy Spirit as the active force of God. It's a lie. Yes, I know Psalms 148 verse 8 says the wind, the rain, the snow, all the elements of nature do the bidding of God. Which, But you've got to understand is this. The Holy Spirit is not the active force of God. Don't you dare f- reduce him down to some freak show, some wind or some rain. What you have to understand is he is a person. He is. And, and folks, well, the outpouring of God is the church getting back to normal. You do understand that, right? But he said to me, son, why are people embarrassed by my spirit? I have been told in churches, large churches, hey, we don't do altar calls. We let people just kind of make a decision where they're at. I've been told in places, you know what, listen, don't be in too intense. And I, and I get using wisdom because I don't want to scare off that person that is seeking to understand who Jesus is. We, we had it happen today in a restaurant. A young lady sat down right beside us and that it's been hurt, destroyed by church. And we just began to love on her. She'll be here next Wednesday night. But see, what you have to understand is people are looking. She said, I feel like I'm amongst a fellowship of believers. That opened the conversation. After Pastor Paul and I shared some cheesecake. And I'm going to say it like this. Somebody had a bigger spoon. We started on one side and we're supposed and it it just got awkward. It did pay. 
what John chapter 14 verse 15 says. Jesus promised I will not leave you as an orphan. I will give you the Holy Spirit. Verse 15. If you love me, you'll obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you. The paraclete. Your lawyer. Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. Look at verse 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. I love what happened to Smith Wigglesworth one day or uh, when he when he was asked the question. Or excuse me, it was Spurgeon. They said, why is it that every time you preach, you start off by saying, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit? Charles Spurgeon said, because I leak. C.S. Lewis made the statement, we are not bodies that have souls, but we are souls that happen to have a body. So who is the Holy Spirit? Write this down, number two. It is a he. It is a person. He is omniscient. He is all powerful. He is God. He is alive. He was in the World Trade Center. He was at Virginia Tech in the shooting. He, he, uh, one young lady I met that was in the middle of that shooting at Virginia Tech. I met her in the Potomac District Camp and she came up to me. Her picture's on the wall of my office and her name was Valerie. And she said, I laid on the floor and I could hear my roommate being shot, but I could feel God holding my hand. He was in the middle of Katrina. He was weeping in Haiti. He was weeping in China when a pastor walked up to where his child's school had crashed completely down. And a man I met in Singapore told me, and all I could see was his shoe sticking out. He said, but he held me. He sat with me when my sister died and I had no words to speak. He held my hand. He held my hand when I preached her funeral and began to dance for no reason when nobody else can even understand why would you dance. See, I'm trying to tell you who he is. He is, he is a, he, he is a person. Roman uh, chapter eight tells me nothing can separate me from his love. I'm teaching on the person of the Holy Spirit. I hope you're taking notes. I want you to understand him. Jesus promised him in Luke 24, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. He said, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high so so who is he he is a he number three the spirit of the lord is moving he's going somewhere if you are a how many of you, how many of you know sitting christians hatch hypocrites don't tell me what we ought to be doing in the church until you show me are you with me so far Genesis chapter 1 says, and the Spirit of the Lord went out. That word there is rokad. It means to hover. It is going somewhere. He is moving and signs and wonders shall follow. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's leading. He led Jesus into the wilderness. What does the Bible say in Luke, the fourth chapter? Being full of the Spirit, he was led by the Spirit. After he went in and faced down every single sin you could face, all three temptations, every sin could fall under those three categories. Understand something. And it says when he came out of his wilderness experience, which the Holy Spirit put him in, led him in, and walked him through, follow me for a second, it says his reputation began to spread. How you handle your wilderness determines whether or not God allows you to be known. Am I right? So he's moving. He's going somewhere. In fact, he was in the Old Testament. Isaiah 63 verse 10 says the children of Israel rebelled and grieved the Holy Spirit. He was in Proverbs. He was wisdom in action. The Lutheran church believes the Holy Spirit is the wife of God. That is not true. 
Why? Because he's the third person of the Trinity. It's an egg. There's three parts. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all three equal one. Are you still with me so far? Joel prophesied about him in Joel 2 verse 28. And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour my spirit out in those days. Number four, write this down about a character of the Holy Spirit. He is passionate. He is loving. And he's even jealous for you. The Hebrew called him wrath. Means God of anger and fire. Sounded like my mom. At times. But he's passionate. He's trying to get your attention. He, he's the one that will make you homesick. For a country. To which you've never been before. Beulah land. He's the one that calls. He's the one that literally he'll take you. Every book of the Bible represents your walk. Your genesis to your revelation. There's not a single book in the Bible that does not represent an area that he's trying to do in your work in your life. He takes you through that. He's about his business he's making sonship take place where he's calling people to him he knows what you're up to he sees at times when we become temple prostitutes he knows he's into restoration and renovation and revelation what are you talking about he he says he says i'm sick of social club christianity i'm sick of money changer mentality where they'll sell the dove for a certain price he says do you know who i am he's constantly chasing harassing spirits away from you He knows when you're exhausted like Gideon and his men, they were fainting yet they were pursuing. He knows when you're wondering where he's at. You see, you have no idea. When you get to heaven, stop at Holy Ghost Blockbuster and rent your life. You're going to see how many times he saved you. How many times he sent a drunk driver into a ditch before he got on your side of the road? How many times he blew a virus that your body couldn't have handled in the other direction? How many times he took you by the hand when your parents were arguing or when you're trying to sleep and they're screaming and put his hands over your ears and said, sleep, child. I give sleep to my blood. See, you don't know who I'm talking about. I'm preaching about my best friend tonight. I'm preaching about if he removed his touch off my life, I wouldn't be able to find my way to the airport in the morning. I'm talking about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to feel him. He wants to feel you. He's no respecter of persons. He likes the rich, the poor, the dumb, the smart. He He's not like us, even though Romans 14 verse 7 says, accept one another just as Christ accepts you in order to bring praise to God. He he was, He's the one that puts something inside of it. You know that person that gets on your nerves the most at work? The enemy makes you hate them because you probably have the anointing to win them. God's the one that says, I'm the one that keeps bringing you in, in direction of them everywhere you turn. Every, he says, do you know who I am? He says, I'm causing you to be dependent upon me, not on people anymore. That's why some of you have no friends right now. He's in intercession. He sees you quitting on him. He sees you fall short. He sees when you're offended. David said it best, what is man that he should be lower than the angels, but have captured the very heart of God. I want to talk to you about the best friend I have tonight. He says, do you know who I am? I gave you my resume right here. He says, all through this book, I wanted to show you who I was. I tried to teach you who I was. He said, just like when I told Abraham to take that son and lay him on the altar. Take your son, your only son, who I love and lay him on the altar. He said, I was trying to show you what I was going to have to do with my son. God says, do you know who I am? 
Just like when Hosea had to marry a woman who would become a pro- who was a prostitute, who would slip away at night and he would have to sing the children's songs because they're wondering where mommy was and he would find her smelling of other men early in the morning. Till eventually she would run away. But out of his undying love for his bride, he would chase her down and find her beaten, bruised, and battered on an auction block. And he would buy her back. He said, I put that in here so you would know what my son would do trying to love a bride that will not show me the same affection. He said, do you know who I am? He says, I'm looking for someone. I'm looking for a mate. He says, I'll redeem you from the pit. Psalms 103 verse 9. Remember when David, and I talked about this just a bit last week, but when Israel chose flesh over, over spirit and it broke the heart of God, and then they chose, they, they chose Saul, and Saul was a head taller than everyone else, and Saul had his own issues. He was hidden amongst the baggage in 1 Samuel chapter 10, and Saul never really came out of the baggage. He, he dealt with issues of, of his own problems, and, and, and Saul was, he really only lasted about three chapters in the Bible before the prophet came up to him and said, God's done with him. And eventually, we see the prophet Samuel, who was a perfect pastor, by the way. He was lion and lamb. He knew how to roar, but he also knew how to weep. He's laying on the ground weeping, and all of a sudden, God walks up to him and says, Samuel, what are you weeping about? Well, Saul, he screwed up, and oh, I ain't worried about him, because I found somebody that writes me poetry. I found somebody that dances before me. I found me a nobody. I found me somebody that's stuck out in the woods and all he knows how to do is worship and kill things. He says, I found me somebody. He's a young kid. He said, I, I, I want you to know I, I've been watching him. In fact, I'm going to raise him up. He don't even know how to bow to the right people. I'm going to raise him up. All he knows how to do is live out in the field off the land and knows how to praise me and guard the sheep. In fact, he's a, he's a nobody, but I'm going to raise him up. He's a teenage mutant world changer. I'm going to raise him up. I'm going to put him in a palace and when people look at him, they'll know it wasn't a Saul they picked, but it was a David I chose. Somebody give God a praise offering. I'm going to put somebody in high places. I'm going to raise people up in high places that I can trust with my spirit. They'll go get my presence. They'll dance before me. That's why it is said that David would hang his harp in the window and as he would hang that harp in the window, he would go to sleep and as the wind of God would blow across it, he would hear a melody and get up and begin to write the Psalms. Are you getting this so far he says i need a friend i need somebody that'll praise me when they're driving to work and dance before me before they go to bed i need somebody that knows i'm preaching about my friend tonight he says i desire communication i don't want just monologue i want dialogue i want to talk to you i call nigh to you i call upon you he says he says so number number he desires communication number eight he'll fill you with power from on high We know that the gifts of grace are given in salvation. I'm going to teach on the gifts of the Spirit for a moment. Romans chapter 12 talks about those gifts. But we also know that the gifts of the Spirit that come after salvation. Now stop. Stop the car. Because in many places that I have preached, they treat the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the end of a salvation experience. It is the beginning. You don't have to have it to go to heaven, but you need it for the grocery store. Are you with me? 
Is this thing real? Yes, we're afraid of it because it's awkward. Because people start praying in other tongues. And we've seen it abused. And we've seen people misuse it. That's why don't you dare give a message in tongues unless people know your heart here. Because you have to protect the house. I believe that. But what you have to understand is I believe God will baptize you in the Holy Ghost. I believe He will fill you with His Spirit. I believe He will give you a language. A secret decoder ring between you and God. It flows up out of you. I'm going to go deeper with it. Are you ready to go deeper? I'm going to prove it to you. You can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14. What are you talking about? John 16 verse 7. He promised He would be a counselor. Romans 8, 26, he helps us. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Mark 1, verse 8. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but will baptize you. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? The word is pneuma. It means a blast of wind, a life-giving spirit, the Spirit of God. How many of you want His Spirit? That's why it says, when all of Israel sighed, which means a deflating of the Spirit... And they breathed back in. God stopped and saw those two to three million uh, uh, children in bondage and heard their cries. Listen to me. There's nothing like laying on your face and breathing in his presence. John the Baptist said it best. He says, I baptize you in water. It's an outward sign of an inward transformation. I baptize you in water. It's showing the world I have washed the sin away. That's why baptism is so powerful. He said, but there is one that's coming to baptize you in Holy Ghost and fire. What about John chapter 20? Remember what happened? Disciples were in the upper room. How many of you know Jesus loved to play peekaboo? He just did. Do you ever play peekaboo with your children? Do you know why you do that? You're teaching them that even though I'm, you can't see me, I'm still here. It's very good for your children. Jesus did the same thing. He would pop up on a road. He would pop up on a shore. He would pop up in an upper room. He was trying to get the disciples to realize, even though you don't see me, I'm still here. He played a little peekaboo. Now watch. Remember in John chapter 20? Some of y'all got that. You're going to get home and you're going to go, I get it. Okay, watch. <laughs> Remember what happens, the Bible says? Disciples were in the upper room. Jesus had risen from the dead. And all of a sudden, the disciples are standing there. Look what it says in John chapter 20, verse 21. And Jesus said, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus was saying to the disciples right here, this is the moment where they accepted Christ. This is the moment where they received the transformation power that happens when we have altar calls. Because some people don't understand what that means. Okay, what does that happen? And then how do you have acts? I'm, gonna, I'm showing you. You breathe in the Holy Spirit. You bring, you invite the Holy Spirit to come in and have communion in your life. And what does light and darkness have in common? They don't. They'll fight each other. So when you invite Jesus into your life, you're running everything else out. All darkness has to go. Anybody ever done that? Give God a praise offering. Are you still with me? I'm teaching tonight. Bible says when we pray in the spirit, first Corinthians chapter 14, verse two, do not speak to man, but God, he utters mysteries with his spirit. What are you talking about? Write this down. He will manifest minister through you and to you. There are gifts of the spirit. You're still with me, right? It's going to get cool at the end. So hold on. Acts one eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, when the wind of God comes on you and you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He will make them witnesses. Then we go to what? 
the upper room experience. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They sat what seemed, uh, they saw, excuse me, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. What are you going to say? And Peter, as he's preaching that powerful message at Solomon's Columnade, his first message, Acts chapter 2, verse 39, it is not just for you, but it is for your generations to come. Am I right? The Bible says in Acts 4, verse 31, the place where they were praying was shaken and everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verse 12, I'm just proving it to you in the Bible. Acts chapter 8, verse 12, we know Philip preached and laid hands on the Samaritans and they were all filled with the Spirit. Romans chapter 5, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, and also verse 28, the gifts were for the church throughout all the ages of the church. So if you've ever gone to a church that says it's not for today, take them to that verse and say, you're lying. Paul talked about it. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. You still with me, right? To one, there's given through the Spirit the the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by that same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. In other words, discernment that's lost today. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of the tongues. All these are work, the work of the one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. God says, I will give you gifts. I will give you, impart things inside of you. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. I'm almost done. I'm trying to teach you that this is for today. I'm trying to teach you that it's okay to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to teach you. I I may have told you this, but I remember my wife getting in a head-on collision. I remember uh, I was a youth pastor in Indianapolis, and and I'm, I'm, I'm at home, and it's before cell phones, and I feel this, ugh, something just happened, or something's about to happen. I called her at Walmart. I knew she was there from our home phone. She came to the, the phone, and I said, I just want to tell you I love you. She said, your child is destroying this Walmart. We had just moved into this parsonage, which are of the devil. And all of a sudden, she gets in the car. On the way home, a man turns in front of her and her head on collision. The motor was underneath the back seat. I get a phone call. From the police, your wife's been in a terrible accident. You need to come. I race down the street. I get to where she's at. And I yank open the door of the ambulance. And there's my son sitting in his car seat. He's just a baby. He's screaming. And Karen is laying there with a blanket upon her. And I think she's dead. And for 45 minutes, I had to drive to downtown Indianapolis to the hospital. They literally, when I yanked the door open, the, the ambulance was pulling away. They, the, the, the guy put his foot in my chest and pushed me out and said, meet us at the hospital. I raced to that hospital thinking my wife was dead and all I could do was pray in the Holy Ghost. I had no words. I ran into this church that I was on staff. It's a very large church, Lakeview Christian Center. I run in there. I'm the youth pastor and and I, I just need somebody and the college pastor is standing there and I cannot speak. And I just speak in tongues. And I 
I said, Karen's been in an accident. I got there and I found out it was a blanket holding the glass in her face in place. But I learned something on that very powerful day that how I would react if I lost her. His spirit would rise up. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27? Now, you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And, it, and in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, seconds, prophets, thirds, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, others, those with the gifts of administration, those speaking different kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. But the last part is where we miss it, eagerly. Desire the gifts. First Corinthians 12, 14 verse 12. So it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. For I pray, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is, is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I also sing. God doesn't want you to turn into a zombie. If you're praising God with the Spirit, how can anyone who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving? Since he does not know what you're saying, you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. I love what Paul says in verse 18, and this is the critical part. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. In other words, what he was saying, there is a time and a place to pray in the Holy Ghost. But you also need to understand that that you need to be able to share love and speak love. And it it goes on to say in verse 22, uh, verse 20, brothers, stop thinking like children. And I'm about done. Brothers, stop thinking like children in regard to evil infants. But in your thinking, be adults. In the law, it is written through men of uh, through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners. I will speak to this people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. By the way, that was the prophecy of the tongues to come. And I found over in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11. God says, I want to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget one night I was on a flight. And, and I come to find out, uh, I was on a, a Delta flight. And come to find out the storm had turned. And I'm on this, this flight. It's about 1 in the morning, been delayed because of rain and stuff. And I'm trying to get home. And my son is sound asleep in his bedroom. And Big Nate's laying there. And he starts screaming out loud in tongues. Praying in tongues. Karen wakes him up. Nate, what's going on? Oh, I don't know, Mom. I was just asking God. I just had a dream that God wanted me to pray for Dad's safety. We landed that flight. And the pilot told me. Because I was going to my car and he was going out to go to the hotel. And and I said, sir, how dangerous was what we just went through? He said, we got to a place where the storm turned and lightning was all around us. He said, that was one of the scariest things I've been through. I don't know what would have happened, if anything. But I thank God that my son was praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, he was in his sleep praying in English, but it came out tongues. He was prophesied in the Old Testament. Isaiah 28, 712 years before Christ was born, the prophet spoke. Isaiah 28, 11. Very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the resting place. Let the weary rest. This is the place of repose. But they would not listen. What are you talking about? I love what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, I have met many men who cannot say where they first received Jesus Christ. But I dare say, I have never, I have met very few men who do not remember when, where, and what moment they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Then we know that, in, that there was the miraculous salvation of Saul who became Paul. Acts chapter 9, he was saved and filled with the Spirit. Acts 9 verse 31, the church was encouraged and refreshed by the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to show you it's for today. Acts 10 verse 44, Cornelius and his house were filled with the Holy Ghost. They all spoke in other tongues. Is it for today, Pat? Look what happened 23 years after the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 19, verse 4 through 6. Paul in Ephesus, he said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the oncoming after him. That is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on the people 23 years after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues. Do you understand the Holy Spirit? Let me get a little bit deeper. He's moving on your behalf. He saw us in our dilemma in Genesis when man was removed and he had to tell the angel, go and stand guard. And a sword was placed. The sword that Ezekiel, that David would have judge his house. The sword that, that would, that would, Ezekiel would see coming to judge the nations. The very sword Jesus would take in his side. Jesus would be the one to remove the sword that was placed in the garden. So you have to understand. Maybe you're not getting what I'm saying. He knows your frustration. That's why it says in Romans 8.22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. There's that verse of Romans 8, verse 26. He says, I'm helping you in your weakness. I know when you're exhausted. I know when you want to quit. I know when you don't feel it anymore. I know when you come in here and you just put up your hands and you put on your spiritual face, but you're walking through some things. It's the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know what we ought to pray, my Spirit intercedes. It's what happened to me when I was in Canada. And I'm up in northern part of Canada speaking at their Bible college. And I'm staying in the president's house. Karen is with me and she's very sick. And in fact, and those of you that love the new socialized medicine, go to a Canadian hospital. And uh, just saying. <laughs> and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, I have a dream. I have a dream that my son is thrown from a car and killed. He's staying with some friends of ours. True story. I wake up at 5 a.m. that morning, crawl to the end of the bed, and begin to pray in the spirit for Nate. Something is going on. I got up and I prayed all day. That afternoon, I had to take Karen to, that, to the hospital because she had uh, a virus hit her body. Our family was under an all-out attack. It's kind of like ever since I started preaching here last week. Kind of like that car accident my wife was in yesterday. And so, see, you've got to listen to me now. Because you don't know what the Spirit is doing on your behalf. And I'm getting ready to close. Because I want to show you who he is. He's about to land in here in the next five minutes. But see, I'll never forget laying there in bed in, in that morning. And finally I tell Karen, I had a dream Nate was in an accident. We began to intercede. That night before service at the Bible college, I go into the president's office. I try to call the lady that's keeping Nate. She doesn't answer her phone. Finally, 9 o'clock into the service. I could not even preach that night. I just gave an altar call. Working the altars, nine o'clock, somebody comes and runs and gets me. I run into the past, or to the, pre the president's office and my wife is standing there weeping. Because that morning, on the way, uh, or that afternoon, on the way to pick my son up from school, the lady that he was staying with, her name was Terry. She picks him up from school. He's sitting in the front seat with a seatbelt on. And all of a sudden, she pulls around to the junior high to get her boys. Nate is playing his little Game Boy there. About that time, they pull out and a 16-year-old kid runs a red light and explodes into the car where my son is sitting. Directly where Nate is sitting in the passenger seat in the front. Car spins around, ends up in a ditch. I'd had a dream. He was thrown from a car and killed. 
All of a sudden, I'm standing there. I'm like, Karen, what? What? Tell me what? Karen's weeping. And all of a sudden, she said, but Karen, when the airbags let out, but I look over, and there's Nate playing his video game. That's some family concentration right there. My wife wonders why I ignore her when she's talking to me when I'm watching TV. The car literally bent around him. He never felt the impact, never looked up. You're not getting what I'm saying. If you don't have the Holy Ghost in your life, the Spirit of God active in your life, you don't know what you ought to be praying for. You don't know what you ought to be crying out for. You don't know what God is trying to protect you from and keep you from. I wish somebody would get excited. I wish you'd understand. Is there no balm in Gilead? Send for the women of mourning in the body of Christ because we have ushered him out the back door. And we've said, not here. You're not going to interrupt us. He said, when will you fellowship in my sufferings? When will you weep and cry out? When will you dance before me? When will you pray in the spirit without asking for anything and i'll close with this revelation 2 says he's wailing on your behalf lastly he will land in this room let me show you what happened remember when noah noah's been floating in death for three months you open up the window of the ark and there's bodies that are bloated there are animal carcasses floating there's women holding babies He's surrounded by death. The stench is unbelievable. Noah just wants out of this. He's the last remaining family in the world because of sin. Finally, the Bible says he goes to the window. He opens up the window and he lets go of a raven to see if the raven can land anywhere. But the raven never returns to him. It is a shadow and type. Come on, worship team, get ready. It is a shadow and type of Satan being cast out of heaven. And now he just flies around eating on dead carcasses. He waits seven more days. This father of humanity. Pacing back and forth, he opens up the window. He releases a dove. He waits all day long. All day long. Finally, he looks in the distance and there comes a dove towards him. It's giddy. It's excited. It's exhausted. He reaches out his hand and it lands in his hand. And there in its mouth is an olive branch. Noah begins to dance before the Lord. There's vegetation. But see, that vegetation was the vine that would set me free. The olive branch. Romans 11. He opens the window and he releases the dove again. But this time it did not return to him. Where did it go? It's still flying. Hold on. It would land upon Abraham. Like a parrot on a pirate's shoulder. And it would say, hold on. Look what's coming up the other side of the mountain. It would land upon Moses and say, Come and meet with me. But it couldn't stay on them. It was looking for a people to stand. It would land upon Joshua and say, take the land, be bold. It would land upon the judges. It would land upon Samson. It would tell Samson. The Holy Spirit would tell Samson, I'm going to give you another victory. You're going to bring down the hierarchy that has been lording over God's kingdom. Press against the two pillars. But it couldn't stay on them. It would land upon Ruth and say, hey, go to the corner of the yard. 
would land upon the different kings. Some it couldn't. It had to keep flying, but it was exhausted. It was looking. It would land upon Nehemiah and say, rebuild the broken down walls. It would land upon Esther and say, don't you know you're here for such a time as this? It would land upon Samuel and say, not him, 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 him. The eighth one, the new beginning. He would wake Samuel up in the night and say, the king has fallen. Go and tell him to fall on his knees and repent but the sword will be in his house the dove kept flying looking it would land upon Isaiah and he would say Isaiah write this down he will be wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes were healed tell him that unto us a child is born in the city of David it would land upon Jeremiah it would land upon Ezekiel and say guard the wall it would land upon Daniel and say, come on, let's go for a walk in the fire together with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It would land upon Jonah and say, Jonah, you can't run from the call of God. It would land upon Micah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and it said, I'd sing songs over you. Are you getting this just yet? He's looking for somewhere to land. He's looking for somewhere to land. The dove had to land. It didn't need to land. It's looking for some people. It's looking for a remnant to land. It would land upon Haggai and Malachi. It would tell Malachi, don't you know, he's going to be born He's going to rise up with healing in his wings. Then for over 400 years, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the dove would soar, flying, waiting, exhausted. When can I land on a people? Till finally, one day some angels flew past him, singing glory to God in the highest. And he said, whoa, I taught them that song. And the dove... How many of you know that the Bible says that Jesus set the captives free? It says he not only descended, but he ascended. But in other words, he also descended. He went to hell and took the keys back for you and I. He defeated the enemy. The dove would be flying. And he would be flying. He's exhausted. He's been flying. Where is he? Where's the one I'm looking for? Till finally, he would see the crown of a head standing in the midst of the water. He would see his cousin holding him. And as he would go down into the water, the dove would scream, there he is. There he is. And as Jesus went down into the water, the dove went down with him and exploded up off. And what seemed like a dove came upon, came off of him. Oh, they would walk together. They would see miracles. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They would do things that would blow our minds. Till one night... The dove began to weep. And he would watch them take my Savior away. And punch him and beat him until his face swelled up like a basketball. Rip his flesh off his body to where literally you could see his vital organs. Until eventually Jesus was on that cross. And the dove would be so offended at what man had done to God. That when Jesus raised his head and said the very formula for greatness he said three things I thirst I forgive and it's finished and until you do those three things God cannot use you but when he raised his head and said it is finished at that exact moment the dove raised up his mighty wings blocking out the sun began to flap him causing an earthquake and it exploded off the cross slicing through the middle of a six foot wall of religion called the holy of holies tearing it right down the middle for three days, Jesus would go into hell. 
For three days he would do battle. Till finally, after victory was won, the dove would rise up and say, Wake up, O sleeper. Israel never sleep nor slumber. And as Jesus would come out of the tomb, the dove would rejoice with him. And for the next 40 days, they would walk together like a parrot on a pirate's shoulder. They're just walking together till finally, till finally, Jesus began to ascend into heaven. And two men in white stood there, said, standing there, said, Why stand you here watching and waiting? He shall return. And 500 people began to walk towards an upper room. And the dove followed. Till they got up in the upper room. And day one went by. Day two, the whole time the dove was circling. Oh, please. I'm looking for a remnant to land upon. Until finally day three, day four, day five. And the crowd began to dwindle down to 120. Till eventually it's just a group of people of nobodies that are desperate. In that room was a virgin mother. In that room was a fellow that had failed miserably one night. Denying him around the fire. In that room was a bunch of nobodies. When one million would live their, give their lives up for Christ within the first hundred years of him dying on the cross till finally the dove saw saw desperation he saw hunger and the bible says in acts chapter 2 and suddenly there came a sound of the wind off a dove and the dove began to flap his wings the feathers began to fall and they began to come down like tongues of fire until he landed on each of them you're not getting this just yet I'm done tonight the Holy Spirit is saying just like then I was hovering just like then I was pouring my spirit out I am wanting to land in this room I'm wanting to land in a mighty way I'm wanting to pour my spirit out you just been in Holy Spirit class 101 he's saying what will happen if you let my spirit land in this room stand I may have taken a little more time than I meant to tonight But I had to tell you Some of you need to understand who the Holy Spirit is It is the gut check Out of your belly shall flow rivers It's what you feel when that thing is on TV And it goes, ah Stop watching that It's what you feel When you're about to say something to your spouse That'll cut them and you'll have to spend six, the next six services healing them to make up for your words. Who is the Holy Spirit? He saved my life. He's warned me. He's the reason why 5.30 in the morning is when I'm sitting on planes with my little devotion book, I cry. People think I'm crazy. Who's the Holy Spirit? He's about to land in this room. He's about to heal your bodies. He's about to fill you with fire. He's about to pour out His glory. He's about to do something so fresh and so real. Would you lift your hands across this room? Lift your hands right now.